so then, no more boasting about human leaders. All things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future. All are yours and you are of Christ and Christ is of God. Moving on to chapter four, verses six and seven. Now, brothers and sisters, I have applied these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit so that you may learn from us the meaning of the saying, do not go beyond what is written. Then you will not be puffed up in being a follower of one of us over and against the other for who makes you different from anyone else? And what do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as though you did not. This is God's word. Good morning, Reality Church. It's a, <clears throat> it's a privilege uh, to be with you um, here um, again. And I think I'm, I'm, I'm still um, allowed to say happy, happy New Year because we are within uh, January. I don't know what your favorite prayer is at the beginning of uh, the year. <clears throat> For me, um, my favorite uh, prayer is the prayer of Moses in um, Psalm 90. He, I, I, I really believe that he prayed at the beginning of a new year. He prays that, um, teach us to number our days so that we may live wisely. So he says, teach us to number our days. We, we usually celebrate our, you know, our birthdays, but he's saying, um, um, it takes God to teach us to number our days. So I was, <clears throat> I was preaching um, on uh, that uh, psalm uh, a while back, and I literally calculate the day. You know, he, he indicates that um, our life owners uh, possibly be 70 or um, 80, uh, and uh, obviously, you can you can live up to 100, but he, he gave those those numbers. So I calculate those dates, and um, uh, so I was preaching on that psalm, and I said to the congregation, I said, if you happen to live um, 70 years, uh, the number of days you'll be living on earth would be 25,550 days, and if you happen to be living up to 80, it will be 29,000. 200 days. And then I said, if you, are, if you are 30 years old, then you have lived already 10,950 days and left with 14,600 days if you, are, if you happen to be, you know, living up to 70. But if 80, if you are living up to 80, then 18,250 days um, um, left for you to live. And if you are 40, you are left with 10,950 days to live. If you are 45, you have left with 9,125 days left. And if you are 50, you are left with 7,300 days. So I, as, I, as, as I go on, uh, all of a sudden, I started to see everybody's head down. And I said, I said wow, you know, I'm, God is touching their heart and they are praying, asking God, um, help me to number, um, you know, my days. 
But I realized that actually they took out their mobile phones, as some of you are doing now, putting the number of the, 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 how old they are, kind of calculating how many days left. So I, it, what I saw, their face didn't encourage me to go on to, to tell them, you know, to go 55. But I, I just, I was about to say 55, and a brother from the back said, Pastor, please. Stop! You are finishing my days. <laughs> so I, I'm glad that I'm, I'm not preaching from um, Psalm 90 um, today. We're talking about <clears throat> the value of a grateful life. Gratitude is very, very close to my heart, and and um, as I um, contemplate and think about it for 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 the past, particularly for the past six years, it has become. Um, um, I started to see the depths and kind of what the Bible teaches about uh, the value of uh, gratitude. A friend of mine told me a story while we were discussing about, you know, how the pandemic made us realize the preciousness of the small things in life, which we usually um, uh, took, you know, take for granted. And, you know, uh, uh, like um, uh, we, 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 human touch and going out to have coffee and tea with our friends in a cafe, if you remember during those lockdown times, you know, celebrating birthdays with our brothers and sisters and coming to church and worshiping God. You know, sometimes there is something that being deprived um, encourages us to appreciate the, the little things, isn't it? When you, when, you, when you are deprived, that's when you realize, wow, that's actually so precious. Uh, to me, so we were just talking about those things, and he said to me, he he knew an, an, a lady in his neighborhood who used to chat with him uh, quite often, and she had lost both her husband and her son, um, you know, uh, due to illness many years ago. And whenever they talked, she used to tell him the beautiful times and memories um, she had with her husband and son. She never complained about her loss, and. Um, Although it was, you know, it was clear that she misses them very severely, she always finishes their conversation by saying, John, remember, life is a gift. Enjoy it, but never take it for granted. Although I enjoyed talking to her, I never consciously internalized her advice, um, said John, until one Tuesday afternoon at Oxford Street Station. I was waiting for a train standing on a platform, and I was not particularly happy that day, not because anything wrong happened, but an irrational feeling of failure engaged my heart, and I was feeling very low. Coincidentally, there was a billboard in front of me. I don't remember what the, the advert was for, but we'll never forget the words. It shook me out of my melancholy mood and brought to mind my neighbor's advice. The advert on the billboard said this, you will never appreciate what you have in your hand until it is taken away from you. It shook me and made me think and conclude that the statement is very true and I saw its implication if we take its warning to heart. But why? Why wait to appreciate what we have until it is taken away from us? It is easy, isn't it, to focus on that which we lack and the wrongs in the world and others in our life and kind of the negatives. It is so easy to focus on. Uh, but our stance, our posture on <clears throat> in the world should be that of gratitude. 
In my opinion, the main reason why we fail to live with a positive, uh, you know, a posture of gratitude is our failure to see how the world is fundamentally good, not evil. The world is fundamentally good, not evil. You know, creation as well as redemption informs us this fact. There is good in the world that is worth dying for. That's why Jesus died, um, you know, loving, because God has given his son because he, uh, uh, because he loves the world. The, the good has primacy in the world. Fundamentally, the good has primacy, not evil. Uh, now, in, in, in Isaiah 6, there is a surprising declaration from the angels worshiping before God. They declared from heavenly perspective, they, they were worshiping, and they say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. And you expect the heavens and kind of the, you know, talking about the, the, the heaven. But he, they said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. The whole earth, full of his glory. You know, we see the negative, we see the evil, we see the problems, we see all kinds of things. But, but from heavenly perspective, this is God's world. This is good. The good has primacy. Our stance, our posture in the world should be that of acknowledging the primacy of the good, not focusing and starting our, our life from being absorbed by evil or the negative. So it, this, this has immense implication, brothers and sisters. And this means that the good, not evil, which has primacy in the world, and that is what gratitude is. Gratitude is an acknowledgement of the primacy of the good, recognizing the giftedness of life. I believe considering life and all that we have as a gift will help us glorify God and live in harmony with it. That's what Paul was uh, dealing with when he, he, he wrote his letter to the church of Corinth. He taught them the value of considering life as a gift and how the problem they were facing, particularly in the fourth chapter about the, when he talks about division, facing resulted from forgetting these truths. He used a rhetorical question to highlight how we should look at life and what our proper posture should be. He said, for who, not what, for who makes you different from anyone else? First, it's not, it's not what makes you different, it is who makes you different from anyone else. What do you have that you didn't receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as though you didn't? Now, Paul was writing to the church of Corinth, a church that was experiencing so many difficulties and living contrary to the gospel uh, teaching. Uh, with immaturity in the church, division, pride, adultery, indifference to the poor uh, and, and um, to the Lord's table, abuse of gifts without love. I mean, the church was in a mess. Quite a lot of problem was going on in the church. And, you know, you expect, one expects, uh, you know, you expect Paul to start his letter giving primary focus and place to the state of the church and talking about the kind of challenging them and rebuking them and calling them to repentance, don't you? You know, you, you, you know when you write, when you read the first chapter of the first Corinthian, you feel like he's writing to a perfect church. You know, he doesn't start by where they are, he's by, by, you know, he starts uh, somewhere else. And, you know, he starts by um, um, 
reminding them of the blessing they received from God and Christ, who they are in Christ, what God has done from the goodness of God. He starts from acknowledging the good, not by focusing uh, on the problem. He said, declaring that he is writing to the church of God in Corinth, the church of God in Corinth. Yes, they are weak, they are in, in all kinds of mess, they are, they are going through uh, problems, they, they were not living right before God. There are so many weaknesses in the church, but it is the church of Jesus Christ. They are the redeemed ones. They are called the, the church of God in Corinth. You know, he lists how they were called and uh, separated for Christ by God to be his holy people, not merited by their own work, or, or, or right living, but by his grace. And he says, uh, thanking God for them, he says, I always thank my God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. Celebrating them. You know, he started his writing dealing with the problems from the place of gratitude. No, you know, for starting from the goodness of God, the grace of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he, he you know, how they have been enriched in every, way, in every way with all kinds of speech and knowledge and wisdom. How rich they are. How they were blessed with all kinds of spiritual gifts with strength and with many brothers and sisters, you know, with the family of God, with uh, excellent ministers like Paul, Peter, Apollos. Now, and how their path is secured in God's faithfulness. He says to them, he will also keep you, God will keep you from, uh, firm to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's, he's talking about the church of Corinth. You know, he's saying God will keep you firm to the end so that you will, you will stand blameless on the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. God is at work in your life. He's not going to leave you as you are. You will stand blameless before him. God is faithful who has called you into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ. However, as I said, despite their numerous blessings, they were having difficulties in many problems in, in the church. Paul tackles the division problem in the first fourth chapter of the letter, which is directly linked with the text we, we, we are looking, looking at. There were divisions among them. When we look at the uh, cause of the problem, um, not only the issue of division, but all other problems in, in the church, we understand the root cause to be found um, outside the church from the culture, the wider culture where they came uh, from and the broader culture, tradition, and, and practice where they, they, um, they, were, they came from. What they encountered in the church was its fruit. It is the culture, the, the mindset, ideology, and practice we grew up with which causes a problem in, in the church sometimes. The Corinthians were saved, but their mind was yet to be transformed. There were two cultural problems particularly the root cause of the division Paul was dealing with in, in, in the first uh, four chapters. The first cause was, the first one was the love of knowledge or wisdom and culture of following the new and best ideology and philosopher or teacher. You know, they admire and follow one teacher philosopher today and when there is a better one comes, they leave this one and go to the other one. They, moved, they, they move on. And the second was cause was the culture of measuring one's life by association, prestige, wealth, and gifts, considering oneself to be superior to others. 
So these cultural standards and ideologies followed them to the church, and they started to say, you know, Paul, they started to say, one of you says, Paul says, one of you says, I follow Paul. Paul is mine. You know, I read his books. I ha I've heard his sermons. You know, I, I, actually, I met him. We had coffee together. He, you know, I, I follow Paul. I follow, I follow, uh, another one says, I follow Apollos. Another one says, I follow Cephas. Still another, I follow Christ. You know, they, they, they were kind of, they were, uh, they, they, they started to act and function in a way they were uh, uh, before they come to know the Lord. So they were, they were, um, there was division among them. They, those who say, I, I belong to Paul, they see superior, they, 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 they kind of see others lower than them. They, they see superior by being associated with uh, themselves with Paul. And I, I, I sometimes think that, uh, uh, you know, when they hear this, this message, I think the, the people who will find it difficult to come uh, to, to, you know, to, to embrace unity are those who say, I follow Christ. You know, because they, 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 there's uh, some kind of exclusion, isn't it? They, they feel like, they are, how can you follow men? You know, I, we follow Christ. So, you know, kind of there is a spiritual superiority that, that's kind of some kind of exclusive access to Christ. It's not that Christ called them into his love, that, but, but it's like they are privileged. There's an exclusivity, and they see themselves somehow superior. And I, I, I really believe that it is, it is, they, they, are, they are the ones who, who, who are very hard to bring to, to kind of um, uh, unity. They had their reasons for choosing which one to follow. This tendency of choosing to follow and associate with what appeals impresses them were linked with their cultural um, background. Now, now, Paul tried to remind them that the Christian worldview is different. There is no boasting about human leaders that we associated with. There, is, there are no grounds for boasting you know, or considering oneself to be superior um, than others, uh, to others. It, it, it comes from neglecting the fact that all is a gift to us, not of our own making. So therefore, whoever boasts, he says, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. So because Paul, you know, Paul continued, all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollo, Cephas, or the world of life, or days, or the present, or the future, all are yours. It's actually a gift. You don't belong to them. They belong to you. They are a gift to you. God has given you. You only belong to Christ. You don't belong to them. They belong to you. You, you know, it's, it, you, you, they are a gift to you. It's in this context to strengthen his argument and communicate what the right response to life should be that Paul wrote the ver verse 7 in chapter 4, uh, which we'll be looking at. So this, he says, he says, he asks three questions. He says, for who makes you different from anyone else? Now, two ways of understanding this question. He's saying, you, know, you are different. You are different. You are, you are unique. There's no one like you. You are so unique, and you are, you are made to be different. You know, you are, you, are, you, are, you are one of a kind. I'm one of a kind. Have you ever seen anyone like me? No. Um, there's no one like you. Or as people group, you are distinct. You have uh, your own uniqueness. But who made you to be different? You know, is it your own making? 
Did you have a contribution to the way you are? Did you merit any of spiritual gifts you received from God? You are made to be different like others. So that means difference, difference should be celebrated, not being resented or used to be superior uh, as a, uh, uh, something that's superior, uh, to be superior on. On another level, you are no different from anyone else because like everyone else, you were made to be different. You received your uniqueness as a gift. And second, the second question was, what do you have that you didn't receive? This is a question we need to ponder, uh, take time to ponder, and really, really grasp that there is absolutely nothing that, that we have that we haven't received. Nothing. And the third question was, then if you did receive it, if it is a gift, then why do you boast as though it isn't? As though it's, you, know, you, 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 you know, you haven't received it. What was your reason to look down on others? If what you have is a gift, why do you act as if it is your own making? In other words, he's saying, if you accept the fact that all you have is a gift, there wouldn't have been any reason for division, superiority or pride among you. So he recommends three things here that we would help us not only avoid division, disharmony with our community, family or friends, but live a harmonious and joyful life, recognizing the value of one another. He says three things. Gratitude is the right view of life. And gratitude is the right response to life. Gratitude is the right posture in life. According to Paul, the right view of life recognizes that life and all within it is a gift. Because there is nothing that we have that we haven't received. You know, for some people, as I was saying before, the pandemic, um, the recent pan you know, the, the pandemic made people really realize uh, that fact, isn't it? You know, as I said before, uh, being deprived would help you to see the value of the little things in life. You say, wow, these are actually, I, we wouldn't be able to live without, this is, this is actually really crucial. And our life from birth to days is supported by the gift and talents of others. From birth to days, thousands of people contributed to, to, to your life. We are where we are today by the grace of God and by the contribution of thousands of people. The study of others informed our knowledge. Opportunities were created for us by others. Their work meets our day-to-day -day needs. Our salvation is a gift. Everything we have is a gift. Um, considering life as a gift changes our relationship with it for the better. It changed our relationship with each other. I remember um, in 2018, <clears throat> one uh, summer afternoon, uh, um, that's the 2018 summer uh, evening, actually, a very late evening, I was in the West End waiting for a friend of mine, and I met this um, uh, elegant, um, middle-class, white, beautiful couple standing beside me wait, waiting for a pickup. They were coming from uh, a dinner uh, evening as I gathered um, later on. So there was other two people passing by and they were talking very, very loudly. 
and it, it, they were talking politics. So they, you know, they, they were, it was very funny, and they made us laugh. So the lady started to have conversation uh, with me, and, and eventually she, the conversation became serious, and she said to me, um, I am ashamed of my country, uh, Britain. And she started to list the problems that we have in this country. She, she started to say, look at racism, look at the migration law, look at um, uh, the hate crime, look at Brexit. I mean, kind of, she listed um, a few of the problems um, uh, and, and obviously expected uh, me to agree with her, at least agree with her, or add some, of the, the, some more problems um, uh, on the list. And, and I, I, said, I said to her, I, I, I'm sorry, madam, I don't agree with you. And she said to me, what do you mean you don't agree with me? And I said, because Britain is not just that. There are qualities in this country that we sometimes take it uh, for granted. And I listed some of the qualities that we have uh, in this country. And she just couldn't believe this African man contradicts her, her um, uh, opinion of her, her country. And she said to me, I'm sorry for asking, where are you from? How can you, you say this? And I, 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 and I said, I'm, I'm, originally I'm from Ethiopia. I came to Britain when I was um, very young, when Ethiopia was in civil war with Eritrea, uh, with $250 in my pocket, knowing absolutely no one uh, in Britain, knowing absolutely nothing about Britain. I was received. I was given a place to live, a money to live by, opportunity to work, to study, and to be a contributor in the society. So when I talk about Britain, I cannot start from the negative. And she started crying, and she said, no, 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 we are the ones who are grateful. Where would Britain be without the migrant community? Look at NHS, and she started kind of listing you know, all the things that the migrant community actually contributes to the country, I say, no, we are the one great, we are grateful. And she said, no, we are not. And we keep on reciprocating gratitude. The atmosphere that was created was so, so beautiful that we didn't, we didn't um, want to, uh, you know, go our ways. Her husband was just standing there, just looking what was happening. And I assure you, if it, if it was in Africa, I would have just hugged her. I was a little bit um, hesitant to do so. But if I, if I had any kind of um, uh, negativity, neg negative experiences in Britain, I could have, in, in, if we have the time, I could have sat down and sp spoke, to, told her my experience, and she would have listened to me, and healing would have taken place, and reconciliation would have uh, um, happened. I believe her opinion of the migrant community at that time have changed. You know, something happened in that. So, it's, so there is some kind of powerful um, thing when we acknowledge the gifts that we have received, when we acknowledge the good, when we start our conversation with the good, when we capitalize on the good. It's not just, it's not naivety and kind of ignoring uh, uh, the, 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 the wrongs. It's actually, it's your starting point. It's starting uh, celebrating the good, that makes people to be at ease and not being defensive of uh, 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 anything. So it changes the conversation uh, totally. So, so we need to, so Paul is saying the, the, right, the right view of life is acknowledging the gifts 
of life, acknowledging how others are a gift to you, you know, you know how, the, how others have contributed to your life, really looking at life in that way. If, if, when that happens, then the second thing is gratitude is the right response to life. Then, then when you acknowledge and recognize the giftedness of life, then your response becomes that of gratitude. You'll be grateful. You'll be, you function from the heart of gratitude. And, you know, gratitude is the first and foremost acknowledging the good. There are, there are you know, uh, misunderstanding of what gratitude is. People think that gratitude is uh, transactional, you know, like, thank you, you wait, passively wait for somebody to do something for you, and then you say, ex uh, express your gratitude. That's not what the biblical gratitude is. Biblical understanding of gratitude is you, it's active, it is you proactively engaged in acknowledging the good around you, seeing it, the good in others, seeing, you know, and, and then when you acknowledge the good, then the response becomes that could be, the, could be verbal. You might say, thank you for this. Or it will be motivational. When you see the good, it motivates you to do good. Or, or it's, it's when, you, uh, 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 when you recognize the good in others, your opinion of them would change. So then the relationship dynamics also change. So it's, it's this proactive engagement in life. It's the it's real world view. It's acknowledging the goodness in the world, the goodness of God. It is giving primacy in the primacy of the good in the world. So, so um, it changes your behavior. You, it brings humility into your life and kindness and openness uh, 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 to listen, a sense of freedom and boldness to speak the truth. Because, because when you are, when you are, when when you love someone, you will have the freedom to speak the truth. When you when you function from a, uh, a, a heart of gratitude, then you will have the boldness to raise to speak the truth. Because you are grateful and celebrating the good, but when you see the bad, you you will have that courage and boldness to also uh, speak. Uh, that. But however, the, the reverse is practiced in our society today. You know, we tend to focus on the negative and the fault and the wrongs in our outlook uh, of others. That's our, that's our human default position. In fact, the neurologists say that 70% of our thoughts in a day, the average uh, uh, person's thought is ne negative thought. 70%. And you can imagine um, it's, you know, how uh, the, the effect of that on our, uh, uh, you know, mental health and other uh, uh, relationship as well. And it, it takes intentionality to acknowledge the good because our default position is uh, to, to focus on the negative, to be suspicious, to kind of really quickly pick up the wrongs rather than pick up, picking up the, the, the positive. So it, we need to be intentional in developing and cultivating uh, uh, and making our stance in the world that of gratitude. The third um, point is gratitude is the right posture in life. It is the right posture in life. If we view life as a gift and consider gratitude as a response to the giftness of life, our posture in life then changes. When we choose and give gratitude a primal place in our mind and posture towards others and ourselves, our posture becomes that of humility, as I said. Because when you are grateful, you are acknowledging the contribution of others to your life. You know, and, and you know, that you can't do without others. You know, as the body of Christ, 
we are a part of a body, and, and, and we need each other to be able to edify and, and be a church as God intended us to be. You know, and, and it means that you recognize uh, your need for others, and also you recognize your, your limitation. You know, when you are grateful, you are actually acknowledging your limitation. When you are appreciate the, the contribution of others to your life, you know that you can't do and be uh, or get where you want to go without others. You are limit. There is limit. You know, you, you acknowledge your limitation. Sometimes we assume that we don't need anybody else. You know, we can do everything we, um, on our own, but our life benefits from recognizing how limited we are without others. That changes the way we see and relate to other people. Our ordinary day-to-day -day experience becomes extraordinary. We don't need to go to the Bahamas to um, have an amazing experience. We start to see the wonder around us, the, the generosity of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God, the amazing things that God has uh, uh, engulfed us in just, just around us. And we will develop a sense of wonder and curiosity instead of functioning from the place of assumption and judgment. We'll be, we'll be curious to know the story of others. You know, we'll be wondering what kind of person that person is because we know that we won't be able to know the person without that person sharing uh, herself or her, uh, himself, her, her story or, uh, to us. So we will function from a place of uh, wonder and, and curiosity rather than assumption and judgment. We'll find ourselves in a position where we enhance our individual and social well-being. We'll be, uh, we'll have reverence for humanity. In conclusion, therefore, let's learn to recognize and celebrate life's giftedness and, and how God, um, how, you know, our salvation, his gifts. And gratitude flows out of our continual relationship and communion with Christ. Paul says that in Colossians, he said that, so then just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your life in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. So thankfulness is a sign of Christ-centered life. Let's cultivate the attitude of gratitude by noticing the good around us, the contribution of others. You know, be a thankful observer of God's grace and provision and presence and kindness around you. Begin each day by expressing your gratitude to God. You know, uh, Mike Ramsey said that thankfulness is a soil in which pride doesn't easily grow. If you're thankful and grateful, then, then, then pride won't have a, a place in your, in your heart. Look out and identify the good in others. In the film uh, Pride and Prejudice, the, the central character, Mr. Darcy, was described as a man who never looks at any woman but to see a blemish. What do you, what do you look out to see in others? Do you see their weakness or what the grace of God in, in, in them. Make it your habit to look for the work of grace in their life. How is God at work in their life? Even at times when their weakness or fault or what you heard about them is at your face, choose to look at the work of grace in their life. In the journey of life, let God be 
your audience. You know, Paul says in, in uh, Philippians, he says, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are honest, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think of these things. So thinking good, uh, making gratitude or acknowledgement of the good, your primal posture would, 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 would help us to function in, in, in the likeness of Christ. If you are struggling with overwhelming negative thoughts or resentments, please ask people you know, to, to, pray, um, to pray with you. God will deliver us from, from that and fill us with thankfulness and thankful heart. Shall we all stand and pray together? Holy, 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 the Lord Almighty, the whole earth is full of his glory. What is it that you have that you haven't received? God wants us to function from a place of gratitude. He wants our posture, our stance in the world to be that of gratitude. Precious and wonderful Father, we thank you for your amazing grace in our life. The first thing that you see in us is what you, all, you yourself have done through your son Jesus Christ. We thank you, Father, for your goodness. We thank you for your glory. We thank you and we acknowledge today that, Father, that you are wonderful, you are beautiful, you are amazing what you have done, your creation, the world you have created. Your glory is displayed through your, your um, creation. So, Lord, we pray today that you may help us and open our eyes to see the goodness, your goodness in, in all things, um, in, in, in all of our lives, Father. Help us to function from the heart of gratitude. Help us, Father, to, to overflow with thankfulness. Help us, Father, to see the good in others. Help us, Father, to think that which is good, which is worthy of praise, which is pure. Father, help us to understand that our need for each other. Help us to celebrate our differences. Help us to appreciate what you have done in the life of others. Help us, 
not to be overwhelmed by negatives, by, by negative stories, by all kinds of negativity that's around us. That is overwhelm, over, could overwhelm us and lead us into all kinds of uh, uh, mental uh, issues and problems. Father, help us to speak the good, the good news, that you are good. Help us to declare your goodness, even in the presence of the wrongs and evil. Because you, want, you, you called us to overcome evil by doing good. So, Father, we, we pray that you may help us to contemplate on these things and give us more revelation so that we may um, leave uh, from uh, an, a, a life of gratitude. We thank you, precious Father. In Jesus' name we pray.